0: This episode is brought to you today by DanaShea.com and the Boundaries for Women workshop. Be sure to register for the workshop at DanaShea.com forward slash workshops. Well, hey, hey, everybody, you're listening to Real Relationship Talk, and I am your hostess with the mostest, Dana Shea. Thanks so much for just pressing play today. I know that there is a million other things that you can be doing, but you have chosen to spend the next, oh, 30 minutes or so with me, and I know that you're not going to regret it. Many of you might know that we are in the middle or actually toward the beginning of a brand new series that I'm doing for single people. So whether you are never been married, whether you are divorced, or maybe you're a single parent, this series is for you. I've called it Single AF because I want you to be single and free. And so today, you guys, I have the privilege of bringing to you all a really amazing, really an extraordinary woman by the name of Jennifer Maggio. Now, Jennifer and I met a couple years ago when I started writing for her blog. She is the founder and CEO of The Life of a Single Mom. And we kind of met online um, through an intermediary, actually. I don't even think that Jennifer and I had actually had a full conversation until... Until last year. So I flew out to Baton Rouge where she's headquartered and I did a couple of trainings for the Single Moms University that she runs. And y'all, when I tell you that, like, this ministry, is reaching so many women to the tune of almost 700,000 single moms. That's right. They've been able to serve that many women in just 10 years. And you're going to hear, Jennifer, she's so humble. But I want to tell you that in 2017, she was actually awarded a really prestigious award by John Maxwell, the most influential leader in America. I mean, come on, how many of you have that on your mantle? I sure don't. And so what Jennifer and her team, what they do over at The Life of a Single Mom is they really approach single moms ministry from a holistic point of view. So their whole goal is to provide support and education in three areas, which is mainly parenting, finances, and health and wellness. And so they don't believe in just giving out handouts, but they really want to help these moms in order to better their lives. So Jennifer has written four single-parenting books books. She's been featured in several hundred media venues. I'm talking places like the New York Times, Dr. James Dobson, radio, CBN, Daystar TV, and so much more. She is an author and a speaker and an international single parent advocate. You guys are going to be so touched by this conversation that we had. Jennifer got a little emotional. I got a little emotional just thinking about everything that God has brought her from. So without any further ado, let's jump into my Conversation with the amazing Jennifer Maggio. (music) Alrighty, Well, Jennifer, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Um, I love what you're doing down in Baton Rouge for the life of a single mom. And I really want our listeners to be able to hear all about the ministry. And I want them to hear all about why you started life of a single mom. And I really want them to be able to hear from you, your personal story, because I'm sure that, you know, you didn't just decide, hmm, what nonprofit can I start? <laughs> there was some sort of passion behind it. And so I would love for you to be able to talk to our listeners and just let us know a little little bit about your story. I know that you um, experience homelessness and abuse and multiple teen pregnancies. And so I just would love for you to just kind of share a little bit about what God has brought you from.
1: Yeah. Well, first, let me say thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And I believe that whoever listens today or in the months to come, that, that you're not here by accident and that the Lord, whether you're single mom or not, that, you know, we all have this story to tell. And, and, um, and, you know, I think about when people ask me about my story, where is the place to start? And because it, it, there's so much to it. And I think, um, you know, the big turning point in my life really started before I knew what a single parent was. And it was when my mother was killed and my dad became a single parent overnight. Mm-hmm. And my mother was only 32 years old. And so, of course, my dad was devastated by that. And, um, and you know, now I can look back and just see why he made some of the choices he did. It was out of a broken heart. Um, and so he he used women And alcohol to Mm. self-medicate, and that meant that my home became a very unsafe place. Um, It was very volatile. My dad was an angry drunk, um, and he had lots of girlfriends and mistresses in between and during his six marriages. And so, you know, now I look back and say, how could someone get married six times? And it's because they're seeking, they're looking for something. And um, and so, um, you know, my story includes lots of sexual assault and um, i started being assaulted when i was 3 years old mm. and for about 10 years um my dad was not one of my abusers i always like to make sure i mention that but step relatives and and family friends and neighbors and people that you know were left um to care for myself and my my twin sister abuse became part of of the regular story of my life and so the sexual assault was was one component of that, but then there was also um, lots of verbal and emotional abuse, and then physical abuse. Um, and so the dysfunction in my home. Um, the interesting component of my story is that we cleaned up really well. Um, mm-hmm. And we went to church every Sunday. And so we had the family photo hanging on the living room wall with whoever my dad happened to be married to at the time. And, you know, the pastor would come and visit back in the day when, you know, pastors would go and visit on, you know, on Thursday afternoons or whatever. And, and we looked like we had it all together. Mm-hmm. And I know that there'll be people out there right now who you can relate to that, that, It looks like it's all together, but inside and behind closed doors, it's falling apart. And I think that's why I do a lot of what I do in ministry today is because I know that broken place. Um, At 13, out of all of the abuse, the pain, the not having my mom and and just um, all of the things that I had endured, I began looking for love in all the wrong places and just kind of started a journey of sexual impurity um, that lasted for several years, looking for my value in relationships. Um, and it led to me being pregnant four times by the time I was 19. Wow. Uh, so I had two kiddos. Um, I got pregnant the third time in my senior year of high school. I had two miscarriages prior to that and uh, had my baby boy at 18. It was the first time I'd ever even held a baby before and um, wound up moving in the projects and got on food stamps and welfare. It was It was not how I thought that my life should have gone or was going to go. And then I had another child 17 months later um, at 19. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where the story, I don't know if you say ends in some ways or begins, um, depending on what way you look at it, but that's kind of the the very brief overview of of where I've been.
0: Wow, that's so much life, you know, in 19 years. What a story. Mm -hmm. What gave you, Jennifer, like, I'm thinking, did you, you said you went to church, but you all weren't technically like a Christian godly family. What gave you the perseverance to keep going? Like, were there ever times in your life that you just thought, I just want to end this all? I'm tired of the abuse. I'm tired of being misused. Like, what gave you, what What was that thing inside of you that kept you going?
1: Well, I think... (laughs) You know, it's difficult, Dana, because, because I think about my dad now, um, who's, who's has passed away many years ago, and I think about his journey, um, and just what does it mean to be a Christian household? And I think that, you know, he was a deacon in the Baptist church for many years before uh, before my mother died, and he had was raised in a Christian family and had this foundation. But there were all of these secret things that needed to be swept under the rug, even in his own childhood. and And so, I think that that it set a precedence of okay, there's there's your church life, there's what you look like on Sunday mornings, and and you know and, and that God is real and you love him, but then the walking out of that relationship is very different. And so he had to put up this facade of perfectionism. And quite honestly, that's what I learned about church was that Sundays was a facade. And then the rest of your life really didn't co-mingle with that. So, you know, so what gave me, um, the will to live, um, there was a time when my kids were very little, I think, um, trying to think my son was about two years old and my boyfriend had trashed my apartment and had abused me and I had these two babies and um, I huddled on a bathroom floor contemplating taking my own life mm. um, and honestly the reason that I didn't was because I knew what it was like to be raised without a mom and I didn't want my children to have to go through that there, there's mm. no love like the love of a mom and mm. if you were raised without that it, it's just a void that's so hard to feel. And so I think that gave me the will to push through when I had my kids that I I, I I vowed that my children's life would not be like mine, that that I would right all of the wrongs that I had endured. Um, and and, you know, in the early years, that was very difficult because we duplicate what we see. And gotcha. so lots of screening. There was lots of abuse in my home. There was lots of cussing. There was a lot that I had seen in my early years of parenting, I duplicated. But I guess, you know, that's a very long answer. But I think part of it was, you know, just my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I gave my heart to the Lord when I was nine years old. Um, and I remember that experience walking down to the front and recognizing that I needed a savior. And although my life did not reflect that for many years, I never forgot the moment that that God rescued me. Mm. Um, and sometimes the freedom takes a lot longer than the rescue. The rescue is instantaneous, but the freedom is a walking out. And so um, I kind of always knew that, that there was something bigger than me. Um, the intimacy came later with the Lord.
0: That's I love, I'm sitting here writing down that quote, the freedom takes longer than the rescue. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so applicable to so many of us, whether you are a single mom, whether maybe there's someone listening that's struggling with trying to live godly and, and they're falling into sexual temptation, whether that's a broken marriage, like sometimes the freedom takes longer than mm-hmm. the rescue. So I love that you pointed that out. So here you are living in the projects, you're on government assistance. What was the turning point for you? How did you leave that whole life behind and pursue the life that you're living today?
1: Yeah, well, I I think it's so important for people to know the process. Because I think what happens even you know, for us in ministry is that we want to give someone a word of encouragement, we want to give someone the truth, and we expect instantaneous results. And right. although God could certainly reach down and pluck us out of our misery, it's a process because there's a lot to be learned in that. And so for me, that bathroom floor moment was a defining moment for me where I just decided that I would go back to church. I hadn't been to church in a long time. And honestly, I didn't go to church because there was so much shame with me having two children outside of marriage. And I felt very judged and like I didn't fit in there. And it was very obvious that I had sin in my life because that's, you know, having a kid outside of marriage is probably one of the most public ways that you expose yourself. And so all of those things kept me out of church. But the extreme brokenness and I had no friends, um, I had no money. And I really was getting to a place where I had no hope. And so I loaded those babies up in the car on that next Sunday morning and I went to church and there was nothing life transformational that happened on that Sunday. Um, and I think it's important that people understand that I sat in that pew, miserable. Uh, I sat bitter and angry and hurt and broken and uh, self-conscious and um, felt like that the whole church was staring at me. And I couldn't even tell you what the pastor preached that Sunday, but I made the decision to go back again and again and again. And part of it was because they offered a free meal on Sunday nights. And part of it was because I was so lonely that I needed to at least sit in the room with people, even if they... Uh, didn't know me and weren't friends with me. And so it was just this kind of continual gradual drawing back to the church. That is what changed my life. But I also want people to know that I was in church, you know, every Sunday morning thereafter, but I shut the clubs down most Friday and Saturday nights. And I had my my boyfriend living with me part time and I was still in sexual promiscuity. And, and the reason I think it's so important for people to hear that is because the decision for me to go back to church and begin to, to serve the Lord, it took a long time for me to start really living that out in, in purity and in intimacy and in consecration with the Lord. So just because you have some things going on in your life, it doesn't keep you out of God's house and it doesn't keep you out of his love and it doesn't keep you um, uh, invisible in his kingdom. It's, it's a process and we all have to kind of get there.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I know for sure that there are women and men listening right now who are just what you're saying, Jennifer. They are going to church every week and they're in their hearts. They really do want to please the Lord and they're struggling. And there's that tension. There's that war between shame and trying to please God and messing up and then feeling guilty and then repenting. And I live that life. You know, I remember when Sean and I, before we got married and, you know, we were sleeping together and I knew, you know, I knew what the Bible, Taught about sex and and it was so hard because in my heart I really did want to please the Lord. It wasn't like I was just kind of being like, oh whatever, I can do what I want. I really wanted to please the Lord, but the temptation and the love, you know, when you're in a, a loving relationship, you want to have sex with that person. And so I can definitely attest to being at the altar on Sunday and being back in you know in my in my mess on Monday and just living that that constant um, tension. I think that it really um, It really can take a toll on you mentally and for sure spiritually. And so I love the fact that you're just really bringing that out because I think that there are people who are really going to be encouraged that no matter where you are in your journey right now, in your process, you know, we know sanctification is a process. It's not like a one and done thing and you're just holy all of a sudden. It's a process. And so thank you so much um, for bringing that out. Are you tired of feeling used, pressured, or pushed around? Do you want to learn how to finally stand your ground? Do you find yourself saying yes to things just to regret it later, while you long for self-care without feeling like a traitor? Listen, friend, we need to talk about boundaries. Stop obsessing about what other people think and feeling afraid that saying no will cause a stink. You know what I'm saying is true. And you know this Boundaries Workshop is just for you. Register for my virtual workshop happening on April 23rd. This two-hour group workshop is going to help women just as sweet as you learn the right way to setting boundaries that protect your peace, prioritize your relationships, and prevent unrealistic expectations. It's time to stand up for you. Register today at danashay.com forward slash workshops and invite your girlfriends too. This is one event you need to say yes to. Register at com forward slash workshops. It'll cost you less than a pair of shoes. So here you are, you know, you're you're growing in your faith. This process is starting, even if you don't even realize it. And then what actually gave you the passion to start Life of a Single Mom?
1: Well, um, I kind of the end of my story is um, I made a decision that I was going to end the relationship that I had been in for seven years. The, you know, uh, the one where I was having sex outside of marriage, the one that I was being abused in the one that I had been really ignoring that God was telling me was not the person for me, I made a decision that I was going to end that relationship. The hardest thing I ever did, because I had ended the relationship twenty five times before, and he would show up again, and I would, you know, open the door to the relationship again. So it was a constant going back. Those soul ties were so real. But I, um, I moved out of town, and I started attending church, and um, this this different church, and I was in service. And honestly, I was still praying that we would be together. I was saying, God, please change. His heart. Like I want my family, I want my kids to have their dad. I I want my happily ever after that I never had in my own home. And and I was begging God to change his heart to Lord make him want the things of you because I really was beginning to really walk with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart on, on that Sunday morning so clearly stop praying for me to change his heart, start praying for me to change yours. Mm. And it was the defining moment because what began to happen was I realized that I had to let him go, that my heart had to relinquish this relationship in order for God to do what he wanted to do. And I didn't even know what that was at the time, but the more that I fell in love with the Lord, the more I was able to let that relationship go. And the soul ties broke off my life. And once they broke, there was a freedom that came over me that is inexplicable if you've never experienced it. And I know that you're talking about even with your relationship with Sean and, and the going back to sleeping together and almost rationalizing your sin. Well, eventually we're going to get married. And so this is, you know, okay. And all these things that we kind of tend to do. But it, it, the freedom that comes from walking in obedience to the Lord is unexplainable unless you've done it and unless yeah. you let everything that the world tells you you need. Go, so all the counterfeits once they fall, you realize that it 's just you and the lord standing and um so I wound up uh, meeting my husband, my now husband, and and kind of having my happily ever after he adopted my two children and we had a third child together and i was I was very successful in corporate America and really could have left my old life behind. But the Lord never allowed me to forget what it was like to be that 19 year old mama uh, huddled on that bathroom floor in the projects and what it was like to be in the pit of hell and to feel very alone and to feel forsaken. And so, the life of a single mom really burst out of me kicking and screaming, saying, "No, I don't know enough scripture. I'm not holy enough i'm I'm not worthy to lead anything, but the Lord burdening me to where I almost couldn't function in my job. Um, I would go to work every day crying, and this was the job that had rescued me into financial freedom and the job I thought I'd retire in. And God said, "This is not the calling on your life. That was first season, but the season is over, and now the new season is." what became known as the life of a single mom.
0: Wow. So I've read, you know, here you guys are, 2007, a small support group in a living room, three women. And now that has grown into you all have served almost 700,000 women in the past decade. Did you have any vision, Jennifer, for how big the life of a single mom would be?
1: Um, I am overwhelmed. I don't know Why? <laughs> I know the numbers. Um, I don't know why I'm overwhelmed this morning, but um, no, I did not. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have done it, which is um, almost embarrassed to say. But there's certainly this level of um, just humility that God would use me and forgive me for my emotion. Oh, no, I'm I'm getting um,
0: emotional over here listening to all of this. Seriously.
1: um, I know that. There are listeners that are out there who have a dream. Um, they have a goal. They have a heart burden for something, and they don't feel worthy of the call. Um, I get up every morning and say, "I have no idea what I'm doing." Um, the ministry has grown to such a level, and the and the Lord has given me vision for so much more. Um, but I just feel that there that there's a when there's a calling on your life, there's a blessing that comes with that and a responsibility also, but a blessing. And so God just opens the doors. Um, I, I don't have we started my husband and I started the ministry with two thousand dollars. And that money actually came from a contest that I had won um, with this idea that no single mom would walk along. So I submitted this idea to this this company. And they gave me $2,000 and that's what started the ministry. And I woke I walked away from a six figure income um, and, and, didn't earn a salary for seven years with the ministry. Um, it was a very difficult time of eating ramen noodles and red beans and rice, uh, honestly, and wanting to go back to corporate America because ministry is long hours and little thanks sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and people, you don't get it right every time and you hurt people and, and you don't say the right thing and, and you can't do enough cause you can't be people's everything. And, um, so did I know it was going to be this big? No. Um, and I probably would have ran, but I'm grateful to God that one single mom would know her value and her worth, that one single mom would know that um, there's nothing she's ever done that would separate her from the love of God um, and that she would know she can make it. Um, so it's worth it. The, the difficulties, the criticisms, the um, endless fundraising to pay a staff, all those things are worth it if a single mom can come to know the Lord in the way that, that I do.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that I love about the single mom, I've been blessed to be able to write for the blog and, you know, to come down to Baton Rouge and do some training for Single Moms University. I think the thing that I love so much about the ministry is its holistic approach, that you all aren't just giving out financial means, but you're really trying to educate these these moms. You're trying to, you know, show them who they are, give them financial literacy tools. And so I want to know if you could just maybe tell our listeners, like, what is the thing that really keeps you up at night about the ministry? Like, what are you most excited about right now that's happening is there something that you're about to launch um, kind of tell us a little give us a little sneak peek as to kind of some of the inners of, of the ministry
1: so there's a couple of things I would say first of all this is our tenth year in ministry and so um, officially now I started doing the work in 2007 but officially this is our tenth year and so I think just it's kind of like a we made it <laughs> wow, God, we right over a milestone. And so I think in that way um, we have our 10 year anniversary gala that's coming up in May, um, which is a super, super exciting time of just celebration of the hand of God and his faithfulness. I think it'll be an inspirational time for people. Um, and then we're also bringing back our national conference. And that conference has been the testimonies that have come out of the chains that fail at conferences over the last several years are um, Awe-inspiring, and so we didn't do it last year because of COVID. But we just said, "Hey, uh, you know, COVID schmovid. We're we're going for the conference this <laughs> year. And, um, and that's that's in August. Those are the exciting things. But I think just just um, all of the things that we've done through the years and the ways that we've tried to serve single moms." I'm just as excited about the 1600th support group as I am the first support group we ever did. I mean, that's that's the God's honest truth. And my staff would tell you that. I mean, every time a church says, yes, let's do a single moms group. I'm over the moon because they didn't have to say yes. They didn't have to catch the vision. And they did. Um, and so I think in that way, I'm just I'm, There's nothing I'm not excited about with the ministry. That's the short answer.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. I I think it's so great. Like, I I know your passion. I could see it. I could feel it. And, you know, I just want to know, Jennifer, like, as you're serving these women right now, you're on the other side, you're married, you've got adult children now. Like, what keeps you relatable? You know, like, do you see yourself in these moms? Like, what is it that keeps you uh, getting up every day with the same excitement, the same passion that you had back in 2007 for these ladies?
1: Well, I think there's a few things. One, when you know you're walking out the call of God on your life, there's a confidence that comes over you where I don't have to make apologies for God's word when I'm speaking and when I'm encouraging. I don't have to second guess when he's given me a word for women or, Oh, will they receive it? Because I'm married now and I'm not still walking that single parenting journey. I mean, how do you tell a woman how to have a, a strong, godly marriage when you've never been there? So That's I think. Right. Having that full circle moment of having been on that bathroom floor in the projects, but then also having walked out the different tools, steps and skills that I've gained and now walking out as a married woman, what it is to be a good wife um, and to honor my husband. I think that full circle moment people can appreciate. Has there been criticism sometimes through the years of like you don't understand and, and, and you've not been there and you've been married for some years now? Of course, but I think that that's usually birthed out of someone else's pain and hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you when you walk in authority, you know it. And so mm-hmm. that's part of it. But I also think the other part is when you've been to the pit of hell, you don't forget. Yeah, And, um, <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that the pit of hell is single parenthood. I'm suggesting that being suicidal on the bathroom floor in the projects was the pit of hell. Sure. And so, and God can bring me back there in a moment. Like I can, in a moment, sitting in a counseling room with a single mom, remember how broken I was and remember how I felt like there was no way out. Um, God just, it'll just be this burden that'll fall on me. And so I think that's what keeps me relatable is that I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to forget that moment. Um, God willing. And, um, and so, and, and, you know, I, the pastor that's standing at church on Sunday morning doesn't have to have had cancer to have compassion and to be able to speak into that person's life in that moment. There's that's just, right. when you've been called, you you do it. And so- yeah.
0: I think you're I think the thing that makes you so powerful as a leader, though, is that you have this calling, but you also have that life experience. Mm-hmm. I think about what I do in supporting marriages and you had your bathroom floor moment. I've had my bat literally my own bathroom floor moment, you know, in my marriage and not ever thinking that I could be somebody who would be in that situation. And so when I am encouraging the the, the couples and the marriages that I'm encouraging, I'm literally taking myself back to That moment And realizing that I I did a Facebook Live this week, um, a really prominent relationship guru fell into adultery. And so I was encouraging the folks that, you know, we never know what we're capable of until we're in that moment. And so it it fosters humility in us Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, none of us have arrived. None of us are um, inoculated from sin or failure or mistakes or heartache. And so for a single mom who's listening to this, I think your story, Jennifer, is so encouraging because you didn't... Stay there. I think that's the thing is that, you know, I I grew up in a single mom home. And I look at my mom has very similar story to you of just, you know, abuse and all of those things, but she didn't stay there. um, Mm -hmm. And she got out of that situation. And so I had my own single mom testimony. I was single for, I don't know, six weeks. My son, my oldest was six weeks old when Sean and I got married. And so I don't have like a long history of that. But I look at what God uh, rescued me from and what could have been. And so I just want to know Jennifer, how do you think that sometimes, you know, if if you've never been a single parent, if you've never struggled with sexual sin, what are some misconceptions do you think sometimes people have about single moms?
1: Um, I think there's a few things. One that they always have their hand out, um, that they're all living in sexual immorality, um, that they're, you know, that that there's always sin in their life that those are probably some of the common things. Um, I think that, um, sometimes people don't always voice what their, what their misconceptions are. And I think that it's easy for us because I said even earlier in the, in the show that, um, that, having a child outside of marriage is one of the most public sins that you can commit because it's exposed. And yet there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the country addicted to porn. Um, There are uh, people walking in gluttony right now, but we never call that out as a church. There Mm. are so many sins that, that we're walking in, but the unwed pregnancy, I guess, is the hill that some churches wanna die on. And I would just suggest that we need to really look at Number one, let's call sin, sin. So so make no mistake, we're not um, placating sin. We're not uh, promoting single motherhood. We're not saying, hey, women go get a divorce and be this, uh, you know, the superwoman single mom. We're meeting people where they are. The same way that the church should be meeting people where they are mm-hmm. and then giving them the tools, the skills, the power and the encouragement they need to then walk into what God created them to be. And so, um, so yeah, there's definitely some misconceptions and some, some, some is reality. There are, there are certainly some truths that we can see through statistics and things about the single mother home, but how long do we want to camp out there? Like mm-hmm. how long do we want to say, oh, she had two kids outside of marriage. So she's beyond now any type of ministry. Thank God pastors saw more in me than sexual
0: sin. Mm -hmm. So good. So how can we marry people, maybe singles without children? How can we better support single parents, especially single moms?
1: Yes. So I would say there's a few things. One, every church should have a single mom's ministry. Um, I'm so passionate about that. The same way you have a youth ministry, the same way you have a women's ministry. I believe that there's a real power in the gathering. Our, our ministry's motto is no single mom walks alone. And whether it's a Sunday school class or connect group or whatever that looks like for your church, there should be a place where single moms gather on a regular basis, um, not to segment them or or anything like that, but to, to really draw them in two out of three single Single moms don't go to church anywhere. So mm-hmm. that's not a single mom's problem. That's a body of Christ's problem. Right. And so how do we really begin to be creative in ministry to them? So I think single mom support groups is one. Um, I also think there's a lot of practical things. I think about the people who served me through the years. And sometimes it was just someone who would watch my kids for free so that I could go to the grocery store by myself. Um, sometimes it was just so I could have a few moments alone, which um, it meant something to me. Um, we have a an ebook on our website called 50 ways to serve single moms. And it's just little things that maybe you haven't thought about that might would mean a lot to a single mom in your life. And I'll also say single mamas, if you're out here listening, you're not excluded from servanthood. And so you can serve someone else. You can serve another single mom. There are things that we all can do to serve one another and to wash the feet of the people that are in our lives. And so um, I, and, and maybe there's a single mom listening who says, Hey, my church doesn't have a single mom's group. I'd really like to start one. Then you begin the conversation with your pastor and pray that the Lord would orchestrate a volunteer team and some leaders. And so I think we're all in this thing together of seeing that no single mom walks alone.
0: Oh, yeah, I love that. So I'm definitely going to link to the 50 ways to serve single moms in the show notes of this podcast. So you guys can go to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 33 to get that. And Jennifer, how can people find out more about you, the ministry, if there is a single mom, just like you mentioned, who wants to start this in her church or the resources on the website that would give her kind of a blueprint to start one.
1: Yes. And there's lots of resources for you to find a group near you, free eBooks, podcast, whatever uh, at the mom.com. That'll be a real encouragement if you're a single mom.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been so rich, Jennifer. Thank you so much just for who you are, what you bring um, to single moms, who you are and the body of Christ. As you've been talking, I'm like, she sounds just like Beth Moore with your Southern drawl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that all the time. I I um I've you know heard that more through the years but oh the more excited I get the mother and I become
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you're certainly passionate and that just bleeds through and so I'm excited I'm excited about the gala I'm excited about 10 years I'm like if if you've done all of this in the first 10 years man the sky is the limit and so I'm just grateful to to have been a part of, of this journey in such a tiny way and just looking forward so much to what God has in store for you in the ministry Jennifer.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Dana. Good to see your pretty face. (laughs)
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. You know, as I was listening to Jennifer, I was just sitting here thinking, how many of us can really say that we have completely devoted our lives to the betterment of someone else? I think there is no better way to live than this. And so, Jennifer, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast, for giving us so much inspiration, for encouraging these single moms who are listening today and all the single moms that you have been able to touch through the work of your amazing ministry. You know, Jennifer says something, and um, she said that her hope is that through her own experiences that others may receive strength. The power of God is so much bigger than your past. And I could not agree more. I just think that hearing stories like this, it reminds us that God is truly able to rescue, redeem, restore any single situation, anything. There is never someone who is too far gone. So be encouraged today. Well, I told you in the show, and I'm going to remind you again. I am going to link to Jennifer's um, whole ministry. So if you want to find out more about the life of a single mom, all you have to do is head on over to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 33. I will have a link to her website. I will also link to the resource that she told us about, which is 50 ways to serve single moms. And so for those of you who want to get more involved and how can I actually better serve single parents, that resource is going to be there for you. And maybe you yourself are interested in starting a group for single moms at your church. Um, I'm going to link to that. And so you'll be able to find more information about Jennifer and about Life of the Single Mom and everything they do, the Single Moms University, everything. Just head over to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 33. And you guys, be sure that you are rating and reviewing this podcast. Every rate and every review helps this podcast to be seen by more people. So whether you're on Apple or Spotify, which I believe are the only places that you can actually write a review on podcasts right now, I would love to hear about how this podcast is helping you. I received so many direct messages and and um, emails from you all but it would really be helpful if you actually put that on the actual podcast so that other people can find out all about real relationship talk so thanks so much for joining you guys today I hope that you're enjoying this single series we have many more episodes to come we are going to be talking to single men and single women and maybe you yourself you have some questions and you're like Dana you have got to answer this shoot me a direct message on Instagram you can find me at Dana Shea Williams or or head over to realrelationshiptalk.com and you can actually contact me right on my website. I would love to hear from you and I would love to answer your question right here on the podcast. Well, guys, that wraps up our episode for today. Be sure to share this episode with a single mom or maybe someone who you know has a heart for single moms ministry so that they can be inspired just like we were today. And one final thing, don't forget to be sure to register for the Boundaries Workshop. That workshop is happening on Friday, April 23rd. Third, I would love to see all of your beautiful faces there. So be sure to head on over to danashay.com forward slash workshops and learn all about how to build better boundaries. So that wraps it up for today's episode, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next episode. Take care.